Hey everybody, welcome back to The Goat Show. I'm Eli Olguin. And I'm Brayton Angolia. And today we will be covering the most competitive sports figures in basketball, golf, and soccer. Stick around, and we hope you guys enjoy the episode. Alright guys, welcome back. Uh, today on our first segment, we are going to be talking about golf and who we believe are the best competitors in golf's history. So Braden and I both chose a figure who we thought represents the greatest of all time in golf. And so, Braden, you can give us first. Um, for me, I think it's no doubter. I think I think Tiger Woods has got to be the, the greatest competitor in golf. And he pleads his case for um, other sports as well. Um, the first thing that kind of opened my eyes were his overall wins. Um, he has 82 of them. He's got 82 wins. He's tied with Sam Snead for the most of all time. Um, he's also 14-1 going into a final round, whether he's um, leading or sharing the lead. That's, that's, that's a real stat? Yeah. Oh, my God. And he also, in 2000, had a scoring average of 68, which means he, he was average averaging around a 68 every time yeah that's insane so like for for other 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 golfers to compete with him um i mean it was in 2000 he was still young it was at the beginning of his career and stuff before um a, a disaster happened um, <laughs> yeah but averaging 68 for a whole year there's about i don't even know how many tournaments there are but and, and I, I think that's something that's super similar with you you chose Tiger and I went with Jack Nicholas, sort of on the other end of the spectrum. You know, Jack's got seventy three wins. Um first win was after his seventeenth start, turned pro in nineteen sixty one, but it's just crazy how the era of golf has changed because over his career he won five point seven million dollars and Oh yeah. I mean, just one point five million dollars more than Justin Thomas made during the last shortened PGA tour season. Yeah. And, like that's crazy. And so when we talk about, you know, you're talking about Tiger and, you know, when he leads on a Sunday in his prime, everybody knows it's Tiger's tournament. And so that's what was sort of similar with Jack is that when he stepped on the box in his prime, you know, it was Jack's game and nobody was going to beat him there. And then the thing that kind of opens my eyes as well is that Tiger won the USM three times, which means he had to win it. He won it as a 16-year-old. And a lot of golfers also don't even get to play in the USM three yeah. times. And for him to win it, I think he won his last one by, I think, like eight shots. And it, was, it wasn't it was even close. So right when he surfaced back in 97, I think everybody knew um, that there was a new Jack Nicklaus on the rise. And I don't think they knew how good he was going to be at the time. And I don't think they knew that Tiger could possibly become better than Jack was. Um but yeah, now this is where Jack does have Tiger in major wins. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got eighteen major championships, and you know at twenty six he's the youngest player to win all four majors, so they have the career grand slam. And between you know nineteen seventy one and nineteen eighty, won nine major championships. Like that's impressive. And you know to sort of end that discussion or that part of it is that in nineteen eighty six. He became the oldest winner of the Masters at 46, 
when everybody thought he was washed up. And oh, old. Yeah. And I thought when Tiger won his last tournament, the Masters uh, last year, I thought I thought that was amazing for him to do after everything he's gone through. But he's also won 15 majors. Um, I remember back in 2008, I mean, I was only five years old. It's surprising for me to remember. But I remember Tiger beating Rocco in the oh, uh, 2008 U.S. Open. Crazy. With, with a torn uh, ACL. And... Tiger also does have a career Grand Slam, as does Jack. And the thing that opens my eyes, like, incredibly, was the 2000-2001 season. Um, Tiger won all four majors consecutively. He's the only person to ever do it, and he it's now known as the Tiger Slam because no, I don't think anybody for the future coming, as I've seen, any golfers coming up, are gonna be are gonna dominate the game either the way Jack did or to the point that Tiger did as well. That's pretty insane. And I mean, you're talking about adversity. You're talking about you know Tiger's HBO special that just came out. I know we both watched that, and that yeah. you know it's a very you know big deal for us choosing this topic because that came out and we were both super inspired by that. Just learning about the stories and just the things that he had gotten through and just the, the people that had assumed that he was never gonna play another competitive tournament again to come back from all that is is pretty impressive to say the least and so i think when you know we talk about adversity with jack you know he lived in a different era and obviously tiger being african-american and asian is you know played a big part in you know playing golf and so jack i think when we talk about adversity really just battled when you know being 46 trying to play the masters and honestly when he first came onto the tour he you know he wasn't really super loved he was overweight yeah and you know people called him fat jack and then sort of living in Arnold Palmer's shadow because everybody was an Arnie fan. Yeah. And 100%. so he sort of had to just do his thing and grind and, you know, prove to people that, you know, this is who I am and this is the kind of player I am. And, you know, it speaks for, it speaks for itself now what kind, of, what kind of player he was. Yeah, and I mean, like, Tiger, everything Tiger's done in his day, like, I think he's, he's put most of the adversity on himself um, with, uh, with the whole cheating scandal that surfaced back in 2009 um and then fast forward a few years once we thought he finally got everything under control and he kind of got his head back in the game um surfacing and scandals about a dui and he gets charged with a dui as well i mean injuries in sports you can kind of there's not there's not much you can do about it. I mean, he's had yeah. five back surgeries. A recon, his back is basically reconstructed and <laughs> fused together through surgery. And it's a different golf swing than it was. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. He changed the game like you would never believe. Um, but he also has a reconstruction of his left knee. A torn AC, He had a torn ACL as well. And now he also just got in a car accident, which... Thankfully, he's still alive, which is very surprising. I don't know how he does. I don't know how he does it. But if he comes back after this, what has just happened now, and even if he just plays again, will be amazing. It it, it honestly be one of the. It would be the greatest comeback in all of sports. Yeah, no I mean, people didn't think he would come back from, you know, before. I'm sure that he'll prove everybody wrong and do it again. I would not be surprised. And as you were saying, like, after all these injuries. It changed his swing, but when Tiger came on the tour back in 97 and everybody was seeing what this 16-year-old was doing at the USM, he was hitting the golf ball golf ball way farther than everybody and yeah. didn't have much of the technology that they, that they do nowadays because now the guys 
like bombing four hundred yard drives. Like Bryson yeah. DeChambeau is just an absolute machine. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Tiger's athleticism that he brought to the sport of golf just like opened everybody's eyes around the world yeah. and the, around the sports world because not everybody pictured um, golf to be the most athletic sport out right. there because right. because it's really you're just swinging a club. It's not taking any running out of it like John Daly like you would never think John Daly Patrick Reed I mean we got big all different size guys on the tour yeah and I think his athleticism just totally changed the game and that's what forced the money aspect like as you were saying you brought up Jack's earnings like nowadays those guys you win five tournaments in a year you're going to be making 5.7 million dollars right yeah um and then not to mention the tour championship as well right Worse. What Tiger did, like walking up eighteen, was oh, first win back. Crazy. Had an out, like everybody that was at the tournament was walking up the fairway with him, which I is mean, usually not allowed. Yeah, first of all, just I mean, watching that on TV, you get chills watching that. Oh yeah, it's crazy. I, I stopped what I was doing, and I, I definitely, I was watching it on my phone actually. Like I remember that day, and it's like for us, it's also like we didn't get to see vintage Tiger, or remember him. Right. Like, we we got to see it, but. We don't remember as much because we were so young, but like, yeah, to actually see what Tiger's done later in his career as well, it's like it's it's amazing. Like yeah. we won't ever see something like it again. Yeah. Well, that's all good stuff. We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back for basketball. How's it going, guys? We're back, and our next topic, we are going to be discussing the greatest athletes, competitors in the sport of basketball. I went with Kobe Bryant. Braden, who'd you go with? I went with Michael Jordan, which, I mean, is <laughs> there's an argument for the both of them. A lot of people wouldn't put Kobe up there. Uh, surprising that you did. Um, but why, why did you pick Kobe? I chose Kobe because, um, overall... Five NBA championships with the Lakers. Spent his whole career with the Lakers. Three-peat with Shaq from 2000 to 2002. That was big time. Made it to the 2004 finals, but then fell short. Then Shaq gets traded away. So now it's Kobe's team. And then back-to-back 2009-2010 championships. And then when you look at the individual aspect of it, you know, has an Olympic medal, Scores 81 points in, in a game in 2006, which is the second highest of all time um, behind uh, behind 100 points in a game. Right. And then NBA Finals MVP 2009-2010, NBA MVP 2008, 18-time NBA All-Star, which is absurd, two-time NBA scoring champ, 11-time NBA All-First team. I think, you know, the, the stats speak for themselves, and I think when – it's he has had such an you know just impact on the on the game on the sport in general when you think about basketball you th- you know you think about Jordan but i think you also think about Kobe you know when when kids shoot paper into the trash cans everybody shouts Kobe fair enough and fair so enough. i think that it's become a household name for people who don't even know basketball and i think that you know Kobe has just made such an impact on the world really i mean grew up partly in italy and in Philadelphia, and so he's got roots everywhere. So I know that when he passed, everybody was devastated and really just, you know, showed how much of an impact that he had on the culture and just the future. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like you make a good argument there, but um, from my point, I think that Kobe was 
a, a prodigy of what Jordan had accomplished and did to the game for a, a good portion throughout the 90s um, as he had six NBA championships. Um, he was in six years as well because he took three years off in between. Um, he won a national championship with the University of North Carolina back in 82. Mm. Um, I mean, he was drafted third overall, but I feel like if he also won um, Olympic gold in 1984, and if that Olympics were um, before the draft and not after what he did in those Olympics really changed what everybody saw in him. And then not to mention he was a part of the dream team back in 92 as well. Even, I mean, even Dean Smith, who was his coach at North Carolina, you know, Jordan wanted to stay for his senior year, but he said, you know, you know, Mike, you're getting too comfortable here. So he had to take that next step, which is, yeah. you know, to be that dominant already at that level is pretty, pretty crazy. And Jordan had always had that dominance mindset, like basketball, like give me the ball over everything. Um, as you can see, like he had six finals MVP and six appearances, like 100% winning aspects. Like he never lost the finals. Yeah. Every finals he went to, he won. Um, he was a five-time NBA MVP, um, a Rookie of the Year, 14-time All-Star. And w what really pops out at me is he was also a nine-time All-Defensive team. And, like, mm -hmm. when people look at who's the greatest and who's the greatest competitor, athlete, this and that, they don't really look at the defensive aspect of the game as well. And he was also a three-time uh, led the league in steals as well. Um, and then he – this is what – sets him aside from athletes in other sports as well as he was a three-time AP athlete of the year which is which is fairly hard to accomplish yeah that's I mean that's that's more than basketball you know it's just everything it's, it's a it's an accomplishment for all sports um and then he also battled a couple of injuries throughout college um and early in his career like he broke his uh bone coming out of UNC after the Olympics, which kind of threatened his career and kind of scared everyone. Mm. Um, I mean, you were talking about that mindset that Jordan had, which was, you know, we're not losing. Give me the ball. I'm going to go put it in the net. Um, you know, something, you know, very similar that Kobe had. You know, everybody talks about that Mamba mentality. And so when Kobe tore his Achilles in 2013, you know, you see him, you know, grabbing, his, grabbing the back of his leg in game and – it's just crazy because, you know, most guys, not most guys, every guy after that goes and takes a seat on the bench. And Kobe, you know, hobbles over to the free throw line and then sinks two free throws. Right. So it's, you know, you talk about that Mamba mentality, the, the killer instinct that these two guys both had is, you know, off the charts. Oh, yeah. And then not to mention what Jordan had to go through with his own management and what, what they did as they were talking about it throughout that that documentary that ESPN came out with. Um, the Last Dance. Crazy, crazy awesome. If for some reason you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It was a great documentary. And it really touched on what Jerry Krause did to um, did to Jordan and Pippen and, um, and the Bulls throughout the 97-98 um, season. But also leading up to that, it was the reason why Jordan had to take three years off from basketball and go to go play baseball, take his mind off things as well. And in that documentary, they also touched on some things that nobody's ever heard of, really. Um, and they brought up some stories about how there was um, some scandals about Jordan and some gambling that went on in Ocean City, um, as well as they were telling a story about um, they thought that Jordan was fixing games against the Knicks in the playoffs one year because he was only scoring like 12 
16 points a game. Comes out against the press and he goes, all right, watch this. Goes and puts up 62 on Ewing <laughs> in, in the playoffs. And then, like... Yeah, that's special. Like, he, he basically changed the game. Like, we were talking about this mentality thing. Like, it takes guts for someone to close their eyes at the free throw line and say, like... <laughs> Hey, Matumbo, this one's for you. And yeah. just no, absolutely nothing but nylon just scored. Yeah. He was – MJ will forever have a place in my heart because, like, he was just a psycho on the court. Like, he mm-hmm. had a look in his face that when he wanted something, he got it. Like, he would steal the ball. He would rush up and down the court. And not to mention, like, Air Jordan. Like, yeah, I mean, you talk about – you talk about changing the changing the game. And, you know, basketball is one thing. But, you know, you start to bring in – the um you know the material side of things like with shoes and all that i mean talk about like sneaker culture and everything sort of just stemmed from air jordan yeah and like back in the 80s early 90s like you said air jordan and when it came out like the shoes every wanted everybody wanted a pair of jordans yeah like they wanted to be like mike yeah um and now fast forward like 30 years later jordan's like still being chicago ones chicago ones are going for like twenty five thousand dollars a piece now Mm -hmm. and so like for someone to have a touch on the world like that and, like, people that don't even understand basketball but can still relate to him the way they do with, like, the sponsorship aspect of him. Like, yeah, there's Kobe's and stuff, but, like, Air Jordan, everybody wants to be like Mike, you know? Yeah, that's definitely, definitely a good point. So uh, that was our basketball segment, and we'll be right back with soccer. Welcome back, guys. We're here for our last segment of the day. We're going to be talking about soccer and who we believe are the two best athletes, competitors in the history of soccer. So, uh, Brayden, who'd you go with? Um, I went with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, striker for now Juventus, but um, has played around the world for the past, like, 13 years. Um, Ronaldo hasn't – Ronaldo, for the longest time, never had a national championship. And it took away from his glory, and everybody was starting to talk about how Messi's this, Messi's yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. And 2016, he finally he finally broke through and won himself a Euro Championship with Portugal. Um, and it's so it's so interesting because this debate I feel like is you know as old as time, because especially oh, yeah. because they grew or they they were in their primes during our era, so we grew up watching these guys, which is a lot different from basketball and golf with the Nicholas and Jordan and all that because. You know, you could flip on to, to BN and you could see these guys playing. 100%. There would never be... Nothing will ever move a, a crowd in in sports like El Clasico did oh. throughout the... From, like, 2012 to 2016. Crazy. When Ronaldo and Messi were going head-to-head. Um, as well as during those years, Ronaldo um, ended up winning four Champions Leagues with uh, Real Madrid as well as uh, another one with... Man United before he went to Real, and uh, in total he's got thirty one major trophies, um, including seven league titles in three different countries: um, England, Spain, and now Italy. Which is pretty crazy because you start talking about the best competitors are also the best at you know making people around them better. Oh yes, hundred percent, and I think. The thing is with Ronaldo and why I think he's also the greatest is because 
he's shown he's the greatest in three different places in the world. Completely three, different, yeah. In three of the diff- like best leagues of soccer. Like, oh, yeah. Nothing beats the Premier League. Nothing beats La, La Liga. And now Serie A is back to one of the best leagues in all of soccer, you know. And then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, I chose Lionel Messi, Argentinian, six Ballon d'Ors, two-time best FIFA player of the year, two-time UEFA men's player of the year, eight-time La Liga champ, uh, ten-time La Liga champ, excuse me, six Copa del Reyes, and four Champions League trophies with a total of 34 trophies, which is a club record of Barcelona, which is pretty crazy. Grew up in the La Masia Academy and really just changed the game because not only his height and, you know, he battled having, you know, dwarfism when he was a child and, but really just the way that he played and he's an artist when he's out there, which is, you know, spectacular. And whenever he's on the field, whenever you turn on the channel, you know, La Liga, Sevilla versus Barcelona, you see he's flying down the wings and it's just, he's a different player. Yeah. He's basically, he's basically a, a poet of sports. He's the, when he steps onto the pitch, he's, he he controls the game like no other, and I think what separates Messi from Ronaldo also is how he carries himself. Messi doesn't Messi doesn't believe he's the best. Yeah, but he knows it, but won't show it. Ronaldo uh-huh. has many times said, "I am the greatest. This is me." And it's the, it's the little things too. It's like you know after celebrations, Ronaldo's pointing at himself, being like, "This is me." You know, I just scored that goal, and Messi's you know pointing above. You know, and it feels like he. Looks like he wouldn't be the selfish guy, even though he knows that he's the best. And I feel like Ronaldo definitely gives off that, like, I'm the guy as soon as I walk into the room. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think Ronaldo being a billionaire now and yeah. being the fourth all-time athlete to become a billionaire and what he's done money-wise for the um, game of soccer as well doesn't also help. Like, I mean, if I were a billionaire, like... He's basically like all of that, and he knows it, and he shows it as well. And everybody, you turn on a game, and you know when Ronaldo scores, like it's him, it's nobody else. He will take all the credit, and I think that's where it separates men from the boys, and that's where Messi's the man there when he shows that he's a lot more humble as well. Yeah, a lot of humility the way he plays the game, but also. Uh, it's just interesting because we're talking about, like you were talking about how Ronaldo has sort of been to the highest mountain top in three of the best leagues in soccer, and Messi's sort of stayed in La Liga, but how, how the club is treating him and with his contract and how now we don't know if he wants to stay in Barcelona or not. So right. it's sort of you know crazy how you can treat what seems to be one of the legends of the game now. I mean, his legacy is going to live on for, for generations, much like a Pelé or a Maradona. And so it's crazy to think that now, as he's you know sort of getting older but still playing well, how they're still treating him. I think if to top it all off, and to top off this segment for the people of soccer and for everybody that watches and loves the sport, I think if Messi ends up going to Italy or if Ronaldo ends up meeting him in the Premier League, yeah. going back to Man United and he goes to Man City, Man City, yeah, I think that would be. Like, it will just change the game of soccer forever. And I think it will be one of the greatest matchups ever to, for them both to finish their career facing each other. That would be crazy. I feel like that would be one for the books. Well, that's, all about, that's about all the time we have here today, folks. But we appreciate you listening in. And we'll tune back next week. Thank you.